is Weekly Dose of Wellness, brought to you by Memorial Care Health System. Here's Deborah Howell. Welcome to the show. This is your Weekly Dose of Wellness. I'm Deborah Howell, and today's guest is Dr. Paul Drury. Dr. Drury is board certified in internal medicine, cardiovascular disease, and nuclear medicine, and has advanced training in echocardiography. He's currently a cardiologist at Saddleback Memorial Medical Center. Dr. Drury is here to talk to us today about AFib. It's the most common type of arrhythmia, or heart rhythm disorder. The incidence of AFib increases with age, affecting one in 10 people, and can lead to stroke or other cardiac complications if not treated. We'll be talking about the causes, symptoms, and risks of AFib, as well as some treatment options, including cryoablation. Welcome, Dr. Drury. Good morning. Glad to have you. What is atrial fibrillation, or AFib? So atrial fibrillation is, as you mentioned, the most common heart rhythm disorder. It's, uh, it's a condition where the top part of your heart, which is the atrium, instead of beating in a regular fashion, it's beating very fast and very irregular. Um, it can be associated with a very fast heart rate that you feel or sometimes uh, just an irregular heart rate that you feel. Uh, but it's just a disorganized, uh, irregular heart rate is the, the easiest way to describe it. Got it. What are the causes of AFib? Atrial fibrillation is multifactorial. Uh, I think the most common time we see it in our people just uh, who are at an older age. You mentioned over the age of 70, over the age of 80, almost one, one in uh, four to five people can be found to have atrial fibrillation. Other significant causes are any type of heart disease, uh, from having long-standing high blood pressure to having a heart attack or congestive heart failure. It's also commonly seen if uh, you have a heart surgery or can be caused just by stress. Uh, there are a few patients, especially younger patients, uh, who have a genetic uh, predisposition to atrial fibrillation. However, the exact genes and way to screen for that hasn't been discovered yet. Understood. What symptoms might patients experience if they have AFib? Most commonly, the symptoms are, are feeling a, a rapid heart rate. Uh, sometimes it'll just be feeling an irregular heart rate, and there are patients who have no symptoms at all. Um, but uh, if the patient feels an unexplained uh, racing of their heart, especially if it just feels a little bit off, it doesn't feel like a regular, when you're exercising type of rapid heart rate, uh, that's, that's normally what people will feel. Okay, and they're just sitting there, or they're not doing yeah, much? Yeah, just and... sitting there, not exercising, all of a sudden the heart's going at 150, 160 beats per minute, and that's, that's often what people will feel. And, and how would you feel that? What's the sensation of that? Often people will feel maybe a little bit of dizziness, a little bit of trouble breathing, uh, a little chest pain. Sometimes those symptoms aren't present, but those, those are the most common ones. Um, and then uh, oftentimes it'll just be, you can't do what you used to if, you, if you're in atrial fibrillation. Uh, some people have symptoms of just just feeling tired and just not being able to do what they normally were used, uh, able to do. It's got to be a little scary or at least unsettling. It's very, uh, very unsettling, um, especially if it happens at rest and the heart rate's going really fast. It feels like you're exercising even though you're not. Um, and it's, uh, it often prompts uh, patients for their first episode to seek uh, medical care in the emergency room to figure out what's going on. Okay. Now, if not treated, what is the risk factor for stroke and heart failure? So stroke is the big one. Uh, a lot of people uh, have atrial fibrillation, especially uh, older age, that stay in atrial fibrillation for years and uh, do just fine uh, as long as they're on the right medications and mainly to prevent stroke. So uh, stroke risk varies a lot by risk factors. Someone who has atrial fibrillation who 
is young, who's healthy, who has no other uh, heart conditions, high blood pressure or diabetes, their risk of stroke is, is very low, almost what the normal population is, less than 1%. As you start adding chronic medical conditions, such as high blood pressure, diabetes, congestive heart failure, uh, age above 75, uh, or previous heart attacks, or even strokes, those risk factors uh, start adding up and the risk for stroke builds up to the point where if you have all of those that I mentioned, almost about 15% per year risk of stroke, which is incredibly high. Yeah, that is very, very high. So what are some of the treatment options for AFib? So number one, uh, if you have atrial fibrillation, you need to see a cardiologist to uh, once again go over the risk factors and come up with a treatment plan. Uh, Further treatment uh, typically depends on symptoms. Um, So when I, always, when I see someone with atrial fibrillation, first I always go over their stroke risk and we decide on whether they need to be on no blood thinners, uh, they're very, very low risk and consider just a baby aspirin, and if they have higher risks, uh, consider a more potent blood thinner such as Coumadin or now the novel anticoagulants, which include uh, Xeralto, Eliquis, and Pradaxa. Uh, once we uh, assess the stroke risk and come up with a treatment plan, we decide what we do about the actual rhythm. There are a couple uh, ways to treat it. Uh, For someone who is very mildly symptomatic or minimally symptomatic, often we'll try medications first, and that can be done to either control heart rate or to try and maintain them in a normal heart rhythm, and those can be done with multiple medications. Someone is highly symptomatic from their atrial fibrillation uh, that there are two plans of action. One of them is to try medications first to try and keep that heart rate out of atrial fibrillation. Mm -hmm. There are many medications available, but often there are side effects uh, to those medicines. But um, if you fight the right combination, it will will work. The other option is ablation for atrial fibrillation. Okay. Let's get into that. Ablation can be done in a a couple ways. It is where we take uh, catheters, which which are small tubes that we can insert through the the veins or you know, large blood vessels in the leg and, and bring them up to the heart. Once we get up there, we're able to find the heart tissue that uh, causes the atrial fibrillation and then either burn it or freeze it to get rid of the triggers for the atrial fibrillation and help maintain uh, normal heart rhythm. So you're really deadening that tissue so it can't receive those signals? Exactly. So atrial fibrillation, just to get into a little bit more detail, is typically caused by a large set of veins, and these veins uh, bring the blood from the lungs back into the heart. They're called the pulmonary veins. And we have discovered that these pulmonary veins typically drive the atrial fibrillation and cause the atrial fibrillation to, to start. So what we're trying to do is disconnect these veins from the heart electrically. Yes. There's still blood flowing through them. There's just no way for electrical signals to go from the vein into the heart. Kind of like clipping clipping wires is, is kind of a way to describe it. Is it and similar to when people have the nerve on their neck burned so they can't feel that pain through their spine? Yeah, similar. Similar to that. Okay. And it's not specifically nerves. It's all your heart muscles and uh, have electrical uh, conduction uh, properties. But they all function like nerves. And okay. so what we do is want to disconnect those so those nerves uh, and those signals cannot escape those veins. And when this procedure was 
first started approximately 15 years ago, it was always done by burning. You'd have to go in a circle, and very slow, almost like spot welding, on the uh, just outside of these veins to get those signals to go away, clip those nerves. Very long, tedious process. Now we have a mechanism called cryoablation, and we use something called a cryoballoon, which is a balloon that we can inflate right inside that vein. And then instead of burning, it freezes, and it freezes a big circle. And that big circle is able to take out all those nerves and clip all those wires in a circular fashion in one shot. Incredible. It's a much faster, more efficient process, yes. I love it. And what are the benefits of cryoablation? So the main benefit uh, is freedom uh, and treatment of atrial fibrillation. Uh, It's not a perfect procedure, but it's getting better. We're up to about, for the right patient, about 80% uh, long-term success rate uh, for not having return of of their atrial fibrillation. Um, So that's pretty good, an 8 out of 10 chance of of staying out of atrial fibrillation um, without taking specific medications to control it. Absolutely. Just getting off the medications itself is a huge victory. That is the, that is the main goal. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Drury. I have many more questions, but sadly we're out of time. So please, can you come back and uh, talk to us more about cryoablation? Absolutely. be very happy to. Fantastic. To learn more or to listen to a podcast of the show, please visit memorialcare.org. I'm Deborah Howell. Join us again next time as we explore another weekly dose of wellness. Have yourself a fantastic day.